here with Jared Lasky. This podcast is not just information, but impartation and activation. We believe that every conversation will encourage, equip, and empower you to live the daily supernatural life. Subscribe to this podcast and then share every episode with your friends and family and be activated. Hey guys, and welcome to another adventure in the Holy Spirit. Today has been a very productive day. This is my third broadcast of the day, my second podcast of Adventures in the Spirit. And earlier I was on Lisa Perna's Crown Chats at 0530 West Coast time. And that was a fun and exciting time. But guys, thank you so very much for joining in to Adventures in the Spirit, but also sharing this. Text to someone that you know, post it, you know, send it in the direct message, messenger box on Facebook, whatever people call it these days. Uh, Just send it to someone that will be blessed because uh, I'm going to be talking to Jeff Jones about rebranding Christianity, his new book, Rebranding Christianity. So we're going to be diving into that. But before I forget, I do want to encourage you guys, I have a free PDF available for you called Three Secrets to Unlocking the the Book of Revelation. It's a Bible study you could do on your own, a Bible study you could do with a small group. It's free, and that's in the podcast description, the link for that. But yeah, as I mentioned just a moment ago, I've got my new friend, Jeff Jones, as my special guest today on Adventures in the Spirit, and he is the author of Rebranding Christianity. He served the Lord as lead pastor of Chase. Chase Oaks Church since 2004. He's got a couple of different podcasts out there, which we'll we'll discuss today as well. And this new book, Rebranding Christianity. And I do want to encourage you guys to check out his podcast, The Good Complex. And like most very cool people, he loves Chick-fil-A. So please help me welcome Jeff Jones to to Adventures in the Spirit. Welcome, Jeff. Oh, thanks so much, Jared. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to have you as a new friend. I, I love love what you're doing, just helping people live spirit-empowered lives. So thank you. Well, yeah, man. It's I'm having a lot of fun. I've said that probably quite a bit on my podcast, but Jeff, let's hear about your story. You know, you and I were talking behind the scenes and almost got carried away with the time. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> it just it was yeah. like, hey, we're having a great conversation. It's like old friends meeting up and catching up. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. how I honestly felt with you. So you're a very relatable person. And uh, I think that's the pastor in you as well. But can you share some of your story? You've been pastoring for years, but how did you come to Christ and how did you get launched into the ministry? Yeah, so I, I, grew up in a church or grew up in a family that wasn't very oriented around church. Certainly the men in my family were not, uh, they were very well-educated skeptics. And, uh, I got pulled in in a, through a youth ministry into Christian into, and became a Christian and, and dove in with both feet, uh, from the start, but it really gave me a passion. I think growing up the way I did to, to help church do church in a way that can reach people like the men in my family who, you know, just saw us as irrelevant or whatever it was, you know, at the time. And so, um, so I, over the years, have spent my life uh, trying to to help the church live out its mission in a way that can reach people who don't go to church. Well, that's very simple. <laughs> Helping people come to Christ Jesus. So what are some of the ways that you've seen God do that through you? Um, maybe something that Maybe the first time you led someone to the Lord, and then maybe something recently that you saw God do. Yeah, so um, you know, the first I do remember the first time I led somebody to the Lord. I had volunteered to to be involved in children's ministry, and and they did a invitation. If you're you know want to go and talk, you know, and they said Jeff, why don't you take you know this little girl raised her hand and little six year old girl or something. I didn't know how to tell. I, I had no idea. 
so I, I just remember shooting up a prayer. You talk about spirit and power, just saying, God, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I did the best I could. And, uh, and she prayed and, and I had mentioned how, you know, God, what God does with our sin, how he spreads it as far as the East is from the West. And I remember she, uh, she said, I said, well, what did God, you know, you just pray. What, what do you think God did? And he said, well, he took my sin and he put it in a big garbage bag mm. and he stuck it in the back of his Cadillac and he drove to Florida and he dumped it in the ocean and nobody will ever see it again. And I was like, I love that. You know, it's, it's, uh, um, but it was just, it was so empowering, right. To realize, Hey, I, I think this person just began a forever relationship with God and I had something to do with it. I was 13 years old and, you know, so, um, and, and just, I, um, and then more recently, uh, just with some friends who, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say a sentence about this cause I, I was too long in my first story, <laughs> but, uh, I'm just saying, you know, he just got to a place, very skeptical people got to a place of saying, hey, you know, if if more Christians were like what I see happening in your church, I'd, I'd have to dive into that. And um, so God's working, you know, and and just as he does, he invites us to join him in mission. You know, it's not about us living in mission so much as joining his mission. And so it's just a, it's just fun to be part of it. Yes, it is very fun to be part of it. So uh, we're discussing Rebranding Christianity, which is also the title of your new book. Uh, and it's, it's. Um, I'd like to know what you mean by rebranding Christianity, because some people might even mm, think that this is, I don't know, controversial, or um, some people might get offended, but you don't judge a book by its cover, that's for sure. You have to jump <laughs> into it. Don't yeah. just read the back but start reading the book. So what is, what, what do you mean by rebranding Christianity? Yeah. So if it, it is, I understand now it's provocative thinking of Christianity as a brand and we're not talking about some slick marketing campaign or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, a, you know, a brand is simply how we're known and how we're perceived. And, and so when you think of Kentucky fried chicken or, Google or Fireboard Ministries, right? There are certain things that pop into your mind as identifiers of, oh, well, I know what that is. That's that's that. You know, it's so a brand is how we perceive ourselves and how others perceive us as well. So uh, when you think of Christianity, if you think of use the analogy of Christianity as a brand, well, Jesus gave us the brand. So when we talk about rebranding Christianity, we're really not talking about let's hire a bunch of consultants and come up with some new thing. You know, we used to be about this. Let's it's actually about just going back 2000 years to the brand that Jesus gave us when he said, this is how people will know you're my disciples. This, this is your brand identifier. When people think of you, this is what I want them to think of so that they'll then understand what Christianity is all about and be pulled toward that. And so that's what the book is about. And by rebranding, we just mean, Hey, we, we've, we're off brand and by and large in our culture. And we need to re return to that brand. I mean, because we all feel it, right? And in, in my lifetime, I've seen Christianity go from being admired to tolerated to canceled to seen as repulsive, you know? And, uh, and, and the whole perception of Christianity is just as flipped. And, and I think that's on us, you know? I, like, like I remember when 
when I was in high school and, and most of my friends, you know, early on were not Christians. And then I got involved in the youth group and I started dating a Christian girl. So my non-Christian friends were like, you know, oh, you know, dating a Christian girl, like she's too good for you. Like, you know, that was 1980s. I think now if I was in high school dating a Christian girl, they'd be like, gross. Like, why would you do that? Because mm-hmm. it, maybe once we were seen as too good, now we're seen as something that's kind of repulsive and, you know, arrogant, pushy, mean, bigoted, you know, all this stuff people say. So how did we get there, you know, and, and how do we, how do we get back to where I believe Jesus wants us to be? And the faith of the next generation is at stake. It's a, it's, I think the implications are that big when you look at what's happening with Gen Z, the earlier, or, you know, youngest generation in church. So, so that's what we mean by, rebranding christianity that the way we're perceived is the opposite of how jesus told us we should be perceived and that's on us i mean we he gave us the responsibility to manage that um it's i don't think we can just say well it's unfair you know media doesn't like us and all all that's true we can't control that but i don't think we should see ourselves as victims i think we should do what jesus called us to do yeah i agree Do you believe we are living in the end times? Are we seeing the signs of the times Jesus talked about with wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes? With recent events of social unrest on the streets worldwide, a pandemic, and the shaking taking place in the political realm, we want to answer your questions and calm your fears by giving you hope through our e-course, The Last Days, A Reformation in Eschatology. You can go through the e-course on your time, diving deep into learning how to study apocalyptic and prophetic passages of Scripture. You'll do a study on the mark of the beast and learn about the signs of the times Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, and hear what the major views of the end times are and learn what the rapture really is. We will lay a grounded and biblical answer to a number of your questions about the end times and you'll learn if Bible codes are real, and you'll hear if the Shemitah applies to us today, and make up your own mind if the United States of America is prophesied in the Bible. I want to give you a warning. This e-course, The Last Days of Reformation and Eschatology, may shatter your worldview and what you have been traditionally taught about the end times. Go to www.charismacourses.com to purchase The Last Days of Reformation and Eschatology with Jared Lasky e-course today. It's intern John. Football is back, and this commander season, there are huge prizes to be won at Safeway. Enter Safeway's Huddle Up and Win Sweepstakes. You could win up to $10,000 cash or autograph commander's merchandise. All you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at SafewayHuddleUpAndWin.com. Safeway makes sure commander's fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Safeway, the official supermarket of the Washington Commanders. So there's a lot, a lot of questions coming to my mind about this, about the American church per se and rebranding. And you mentioned Gen Z and all that. So the, we live in the world, but are not of the world. And as Christians, we are little Christ's anointed ones who represent him, who bring the kingdom of, of heaven to this earth. But I think that unfortunately, and I'm a veteran, okay, and I'm, I'm speaking this out of love. I, American church thinks that we have the edge or that Jesus is, you know, 
okay so this this flag behind me is in honor of my my late grandpa who stormed the beaches of normandy so i'm, wow. I'm speaking as a veteran yeah okay so putting all that aside that uh jesus wants all nations to come to him the great commission was for us to disciple all nations and too often i think we tend to get our patriotism or our political party ahead of the church where we think that you you need to think like us okay most of the world doesn't but i i, I see some trends within the christian church thinking that and you could disagree with me okay american exceptionalism i'm sorry to say god did god did not make a covenant with america okay he made covenant in the bible right a couple you know the old testament the mosaic covenant the the new covenant but people are perceiving us as nationalists and we're not okay maybe there's small fringes within christianity of christian nationalism uh but that's not the main message that we need. And you're right. We need to rebrand. We need, if that's the right word, rebrand. We need people to know us for Jesus who's within us and not for our flags on display or our, our rallies of whatever poli political party that we're part of. So unfortunately with Gen Z is that they, the world has made, uh, homosexuality and transvetism if that's i probably didn't pronounce that they're making it look cool and trendy and people who don't have a personal identity of who they are in christ are flocking to that in droves because they're getting love bombed and appreciated oh wow wow but then they're making these horrible decisions that will mess them up for the rest of their lives you know and science is is you know all about the money i mean they're they're throwing the wrong you know things behind it. They're doing this to little children and this is horrible. But what can we do as Christians to show that Jesus is the, is trending and that Jesus, Jesus is the one that they need to follow. What, what would you say to that? Yeah. I, I really appreciate what you've said, you know, because the Christian nationalism thing, or even a little bit of that, when we start misunderstanding our identity and have mission drift, then we start to use the warfare weapons of the warfare of this world, you know, get pushy and legislator morality and all that. And the people, you know, this is a mission field, not a battlefield. And we're called to, you know, not save America as much as save Americans, you know, and to uh, be yeah. his representatives on this planet that, you know, and so the brand, the good news is that what people are craving can only be found in Jesus. And we have it. The good news also is when you look at church history, anytime the church is on brand, it becomes an irresistible force for good in the world. I mean, you see that in the early church. So, you know, when we say the brand, I should clarify that, you know, John 13, John 15 and the Last Supper, he, you know, the, I think it's the most significant thing he's telling his disciples. Um, he's, he models what he's talking about by washing their feet and the next day dying on, next day dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And he says, this is how this is how people will know you're my disciple. This is, this is how we roll. This is, you know, love. This is my new command, love as I've loved you. And by new command, you know, you could tell it kind of went over their heads the first time because he has to return to it in John 15. And they ask about something else because you say, okay, yeah, that's sweet. Jesus love people. That's nice. You know, glad you said it, whatever. And they go on. But for him, it was a big deal. And he was in, and it didn't sound new, I don't think, because Old Testament says to love people, and Jesus talked about that. So what's new about the new command? And it's the, as I have loved you, 
it's, it's Jesus level love. And, and in John 15, when he returns, he says, this is how, this is what love looks like when a man lays down his life for his friend. And that would have gone over their head on that Thursday night also, except Friday, the next day, they saw him lay down his life for his friend. And so the way we should be known, the, the first thing somebody who doesn't know Jesus should think of as Christians, the first thing Generation Z should think of is, wow, those Christians, they are crazy how they love people. Like, who's that generous? Who's that forgiving? Who's that gracious? Who listens like that? Who loves like that? Who, what kind of community is that inclusive and that welcoming of everybody? Like, this is, just, this is just this crazy group of people, and they believe some weird stuff. I don't know if I can buy all that, but how do they love people? And, and that's irresistible. I mean, and you, so you see that in the, in the first few centuries of the church. That's how Christianity not only survived, but became the most influential force in the Roman world was love displayed as they developed the first diverse and inclusive community in a world that was way more polarized and stratified than ours is. Rich and poor didn't mix, slave and free didn't mix, citizen and non-citizen didn't mix, and so on. Races, just like we have just, you know, the church was the first inclusive community that was like, wow, where does, you know, where does that exist? Um, it didn't until the church. And then they spilled that love over in all kinds of ways in their world in a way that had just never been seen before. And they won over a skeptical, the way they loved their persecutors and enemies, you know, as Jesus said, it, it won people over. And so, you know, they had a much more challenging thing than today. They had the whole Roman empire trying to stamp out Christianity. Yeah. Instead through love, they won the world over. We've got a challenge today, which is a challenge, but not not nearly as big as they had. Yeah, yeah. They they will know us by our love. You know, a lot of Christian, well, people, some people tend to uh, make excuses as to why they haven't come to Christ, you know, because this person or that person or, you know, they've had negative experiences and things like that. And again, uh, you know, as we've mentioned right now, you know, the, the message of the world is trending because they're making it look cool and they're love bombing everybody. They're affirming them for their decisions. Even if they don't believe in their decisions, people who have this identity crisis are coming into the the worldly message by the droves because of the love, but it's superficial love. It's temporary love. You know, yep. what can Christians do to, you, you mentioned the word inclusive and it's the truth. The truth is that there were no, all social classes, all races, all people are included for the gospel message and can come into the, the fold into the kingdom of God. But it's also in with the exclusive message of Christ Jesus being the only way to heaven, according to John chapter 14, verse six. But people will come to this by our fruit and by our love. What are some practical things that Christians can do to try to win people over? Because the world is currently, it looks like the world is winning all these people over, but it's superficial and it's temporary. The love that God has is eternal. Yeah. You know, the way I, I love the tension you talked about a minute or so ago about superficial inclusion and, you know, where you just affirm everybody and you don't challenge anybody. And the way I see Christianity is a wide welcome to a narrow path. That's and the narrow path is a path of following Jesus, you know, so, so it, it narrows as we go. But that takes time, right? And so you don't, you don't narrow your welcome for the narrow path. You widen your welcome, just like Jesus did. He's a friend of sinners, right? And he oh. didn't mean he affirmed their sin. He didn't. But he 
he really was a friend of sinners and he wore that as a badge of honor. And so I think, I do think we should be known as the most, as the community with the widest welcome of any other community in a polarized world uh, where everybody's tribal to say we, and, and even as we, with patience and time, help each other move toward the way of Jesus because it's better and it's wise and it's good. And, uh, and so, you know, how we, how we engage people, you know, right now, you know, there's a whole category of people. In fact, a few years ago, I, I talked to, I was doing a, a sermon series about gifting and your calling and we interviewed all these kids about what do you want to be when they grow up? Well, the number one thing was brand ambassador. Wow. And I was thinking, what? That was just probably five years ago. You know, and uh, at that time, I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what are you talking about? You know what? It, well, they knew what they were talking about. Right. But but we are the brand ambassadors for Christianity everywhere we're placed, you know, as. And so I think if we empower people, you know, because all over the New Testament we're called, hey, relate to people in such a way outside the faith. You know, be wise, Colossians 4, in the way you engage outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your words be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Like, Realize man, every time you're out there, you are out there on mission. You are representing Jesus. The way people see you the way is the way they'll see him. And so love like he loved and live like he lived and, and create, like in First Peter, you know, enough curiosity that people want to know, hey, what's the reason for the way you roll? Like, like why right. do you live like that? You know, and, and so to, it is creating through winsomeness uh, a, a sense of pull, a sense of curiosity. So not being pushy with what with truth, but being pulley, uh, uh, creating a sense of pull, creating a sense of, and the way we do that is through love display, both communally through the church, as well as individually everywhere we are, and 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 we're again in, we're not on our own, right? The the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, as you said, and and so he he will generate this, and um, and he's the one involved in mission and invites us to join him in that. So. Um, you know, we, yeah, I think one of the tensions when we talk about love is like, well, does that mean no truth? You know, you're throwing away truth and no love doesn't do that. Love points people to truth. It's a wide welcome to a narrow path. And, uh, the, the truth is, is what gives love teeth is what gives love meaning. And so, uh, but how do we, how do we promote truth in a way that's winsome that creates curiosity, not repulsion Right is what we're talking about. Right. And um, I, I think maybe this is a message for churches that hide, you know, from from trying to impact the culture. Like a lot of people tend to uh, see the headlines and the trends and stuff and put their head in, head in the sand, you know, and try to hide and just be like, well, uh, just wait for the rapture. OK, <laughs> yeah. listen, man. Um, I have a different understanding of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Theology, pushing theology aside or eschatology, not the, just all that aside, we need to do something. We need to obey the great commandment and we need to obey the great commission. And we need to be creative in reaching people right where they are one way or another. In 2020, a lot of ministries uh, were forced to go online. And now churches have online pastors and massive online ministries alongside discipleship plus in service things and other outreaches and things. And I think that's amazing. We need more creative ways to reach people, but we also need to be willing to um, 
what what happens if if the lights go out what happens if technology you know all that what are we going to do you know the early church there were people that sold themselves into slavery in order to go reach people go reach other slaves the moravians were turned away because the slave traders didn't want the moravians preaching jesus they're trying to become slaves you know they did some radical things and here we are you know my ac turned on i'm enjoying the comforts of of life here you know but but i also need to be aware that if persecution comes or suffering comes because i love jesus i'll embrace it and i'll i'll be used by him until i take my last breath and so the church needs to be radical and i think that that's kind of one thing that your book is showing um so as i, I look at the time here um i'd like to just kind of hear your inspiration behind your book rebranding christianity and then how you collaborated that and and uh, release that. Yeah. So the inspiration behind it, um, I had written a book we uh, 20 or so years ago and, you know, that formed an organization around it and did all kinds of stuff and got kind of burned out on that. I'm a pastor of a church, you know, and I didn't really want to write another book and start another podcast and do all that. It just that, but as I saw in our own community, how people outside the faith perceive Christians um, that it got me on a, on a track to say, well, how can we, how can we not stay in our own little bubble? Cause if you're in the little Christian bubble, you don't even know this is a problem. It feels okay. You know, Hey, we got young people. Look, we got, you know, and, um, and people are okay, you know, and, but if you're outside of Christianity, all you see is the problem. Um, when I, when I talk to my non-Christian friends about what is the Christian brand, the way we should be known, 100% of them so far have said, wow, you do have a problem. <laughs> because nobody outside your little group sees you that way. And so as I, as I just, as a pastor serving in our community, I uh, just realized, man, what are we going to do about that? Because I do believe, I mean, Jesus gives us the responsibility to manage the brand, so to speak. So if we have a branding problem, it's not somebody else's problem. It's, it's our problem. So how do we, how do we live out our faith in a way that is winsome and, and attractive and all that? And so I was, I, ended up interacting with two branding and marketing experts. And I thought, well, it'd be interesting to see what they would say. You know, one's a Christian, one's not a Christian. One's a very skeptical nun. And both of them ended up contributing to the book. They've written case studies that uh, kind of alongside of my chapters. And, um, and as I interacted with them, actually it's the non-believing person who said, hey, why are you just thinking about Christianity in Dallas where you serve? Why not the country? because he's a national brand expert. He's one of the top two or three branding experts in the country. And, and he said, why not think bigger? I, I don't understand why we're having such a small conversation. And, uh, and I realized, you know, you're right. And, and it, it does need to be bigger than that. And, and his story is fascinating in itself because as a nun, N-O-N-E, uh, in terms of religion, when I first asked him, I, I got connected to him through a friend that he respects, who's a Christian, that goes to our church. But when I first engaged him to see, would he do this? I knew I couldn't pay for it. He's way too expensive. But would he do it pro bono and help us think through this? I, he, the second meeting, he came back and he said, hey, I, what I was going to tell you is, hey, I just don't think we're a good fit. But what would have been underneath that is there's no way I'm going to work with you. You're a mega church pastor in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it'd be immoral. This is the word he used. It'd be immoral for me to work with you. Because as a branding person, I know how to give influence. And if I give influence to the wrong people, then I make the world worse. And I just, under the way I thought about it, here's this 
large church pastor in Dallas, Texas, you're one of the people that's making our world worse. There's no, it'd be completely immoral to work with you. But then he said, I, um, but then I started listening to what you say. I, I vetted you. I looked at what you do in your community. Uh, you know, the kinds of things that you do with Fireborn, like with orphans and trafficking and all, you know, just, he just, and, uh, and one of the conversations that he heard was a sermon about stewardship of power and how God always holds the powerful accountable to steward their power in a way that lifts up the powerless, the orphan, the trafficked, whoever, right? That that's, and so he, he had he said, Jeff, I, I had no idea. I, I would have considered it impossible that a person like you would be having that conversation in a place like Dallas, Texas with this conservative church. And he lives in the Northwest. He's uh He's on the opposite end of the political spectrum and all that than I am. And he said, when he tells his friends about it now, he, who are way outside the faith and very progressive, they, they don't believe him. They think they're lying that that conversation happened in a evangelical church in Dallas, Texas, which tells you a lot, right? So for him, he's like, Jeff, I've got to be part of this because it would give the world a lot of hope to know that there's a different version of Christianity than they know exists. And, uh, and so really it's through that process that thought, man, we've, you know, God is at work and, and he's given a message to share and there's a corrective needed for the church. We've gotten off brand. We've had mission drift. We're losing a generation if we haven't lost it already. And so it's an urgent, an urgent message in an urgent time. And so that's, that's the genesis of the book. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Guys, we're talking to Jeff Jones about his book, Rebranding Christianity. And I actually have a link in the podcast description for you to purchase that book. Um, and I, I'm going to ask Jeff to pray for us, for those who will be viewing this and listening in. But um, we do, I agree with Jeff, we need to rebrand, we need to restructure, we need to rethink some things, whatever vocabulary terms you want to use about this. I said this before recently that. I, so I, I planted two churches in my life and in, in my ministry. I successfully closed one of those. I learned a lot from it. Okay. But I, I know I would do things differently. There are man-made methods and systems. And Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations. He didn't tell us to plant churches. Now, planting churches is one of the methods that we can do. But he told us to go make disciples and right now, as, as Jeff mentioned about Gen Z, um, I have hope that even though it looks like we're losing a generation to the message of the world, Jeff and I both know that the Holy Spirit can break through anything and bring forth revival. It may not look like the way we're used to or what we've seen or what we expect. We expect it to be in our little church, our big church. We expect it to look like this or like that, but it's going to look like a mess that the Holy Spirit is going to bring about, bringing an entire generation of people who are confused, frustrated, angry, rebellious, uh, on drugs, you name it, flocking into the presence of Jesus like we've never seen before. So that's coming. So I just wanted to speak that real quick. I mean, just burning that, that's burning on me. But Jeff, can you pray yeah. for us? Please? Yeah. Well, Jared, I, I fully believe that too. And I'm looking forward to the new thing God will do through the next generation. Uh, let me Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for pulling us in who know you by doing the unthinkable, by sending your son into this world to literally lay down his life for his friends. 
to start this whole movement called church. And Father, I pray that you would empower your church, that you would help us get back on brand, so to speak, that you would help us get back on mission, and that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would fill us with your ability to love in ways that are astounding to people, that we would once again be an irresistible force for good on this planet, just like the early church, that we would turn our world upside down. And that with all the things that are happening right now, with generations and perceptions and all that, Father, uh, God, people are craving what can only be found in you. And so, Father, I pray that they would find it uh, in part because of us and how you use us in this world. So, God, would you just speak words of correction, speak words of encouragement, speak words of affirmation, uh, whatever you want to say to us, however you want to fill us, however you want to Help us move forward, Father. We want to follow you. Uh, we want to be your people to do what you've accomplished us to do or asked us to accomplish. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Jeff, what is the best way for people to get a hold of your book, uh, Rebranding Christianity, but also to, to get more information about you? Yeah, one way to do that is rebrandingchristianity.org. So, uh, and That'll be a link. There will be a link to the book. It's pre-selling right now. It doesn't come out until September 19th. But it's actually an opportunity to join a movement because that's really what we're trying to do, not just write a book, but a movement of saying, hey, let's let's restore to Christianity what Jesus launched it with and be really honest about where we've gone off path and get on path together and help each other and learn from each other, encourage each other. Because I do think God is stirring up something. He's doing something new. And we talked about this before the podcast that, uh, I believe that there's a movement of the Holy Spirit around this. And and so that's why we're called, it's it's rebrainedchristianity.org, not jeffjones.org. It's not, what's Jeff's latest thoughts about rebrain or whatever? Who cares? You know, but it's, but there's lots of people who are in different Christian tribes, aren't even talking to each other. They're yeah. saying the exact same thing. And that's how I know there's a movement of spirit happening. And so what we'll start, it's all new, but what we'll start doing is featuring people uh, like you or others who are saying very similar things and uh, so that we can kind of progress together and be part of the movement of the spirit that we believe he's birthed. Awesome. So org. Yeah, I've got that on the screen, rebrandingchristianity.org.org. Uh, and, you know, I was hoping that we'd be able to talk about a couple of your other podcasts, but run it out of time. So I'd encourage people, you know, to check out the Good Complex and Rebranding Christianity podcast coming soon and check out the book. I've got a link provided for you in the podcast description so that you could pre-order that now. So Jeff, thank you so much for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. And I want to encourage everybody to share, share this episode, text it to someone, direct message it to someone, all for the glory of Jesus. Thank you, Jared. Thank you so much for listening to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky, a podcast that activates you to live the supernatural life. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share it with your friends. Leave a five-star rate and review, which helps us reach more people with the love and power of the Holy Spirit and partner with us at firebornministries.com. And may you live your best spirit-empowered life and have your own adventures in the Holy Spirit. 
Football is back and this Raven season, there are huge prizes to be won at Safeway. Enter Safeway's Flock In and Win sweepstakes and you could win up to $10,000 cash or autographed Ravens merchandise. All you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at SafewayFlockInAndWin.com. Safeway makes sure Ravens fans have all of their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Safeway, the official supermarket of the Baltimore Ravens.